each other. All right, so it's been a, a good study as we've been walking through our our statement of faith here, and uh, I guess what we're what are we on like the fourth week, fifth week, right? Fifth week. Is that right? Sounds good. Okay. Uh, I hope it's been encouraging as it has been for been for been for me, and uh, uh, and as well as um, educational learning, uh, and and as we walk through the scripture and uh, talk about what we what we believe as as a people. Um, so why why do we have a statement of faith? Why do we? Need to have a statement of faith as a church? So that we are all of the same belief. Very good. Very good. What else? So that then when people have something to look at as this is what the church believes. Very good, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Savannah. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we could, uh, uh, right from the get-go, we're not ashamed, we know what we believe, and it's easier for guests or whoever, visitors, whatever, to come and see that um, and, and what we believe. Um, very good. What else? Yes, absolutely. Very good. Yeah, what a, what a great tool for, for evangelism, right? To, to share the gospel with someone by walking through what we believe uh, about scriptures, about who God is, of the fall of man, salvation, justification, who Christ is. I mean, you, here it is. You can, you can take this and just walk right on through it. The scriptures are there. You can walk through it. I mean, you don't just have the Romans road. You have the Bible road here, right, all the way through. And you can walk through with, with, with whoever uh, and, and knowing the gospel and teaching the gospel as well as just you learning it for yourself. Uh, so very good, absolutely. Anything else? Anything else come to mind? Sets a standard, right? Sets a standard or the right pattern of belief for us, right? The right orthodoxy, um, and it's clear, concise uh, points on on what we what we can always turn to. Someone asks you, well, what what do you mean that you believe? you know, what you believe. What do you mean, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or what does it mean to be a member of the church? Or what are quick things to turn to. Something's very concise, very easy. Not, you don't have to stumble around. You can go right to it. Uh, it's also helpful for, uh, um, for teachers. It's helpful for the elders, right? And, and being able to commend uh, what we to believe to uh, whoever. So very important for us to have a statement of faith. And we'll, we'll continually ask that question and let that kind of marinate and, and take root into our hearts and, and, and such. It's a very important document for us. So we've talked about the scripture. We've talked about God. Uh, we've talked about the fall of man. We've talked about salvation, the way of salvation there in point four. Uh, do you remember what that point also is dealing with? If we changed it to, to something else, what, would we, what could we call it? Of the way of salvation or... The personal work of Jesus Christ. That's right, Miss Susan. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it just goes point by point, line by line, right there about what what Jesus has has done uh, for us and who He is, and therefore providing uh, salvation. Um, that we finished. Uh, um, I believe we finished that one last week, and we talked about justification and of the freeness of salvation. Is that correct? Yeah. 
We did not go through the freeness of salvation. We never even started. Are you sure? Impossible. Were you here? Yes. yes. Okay. No. All right. Very good. Okay. 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 You win. You win. <laughs> I guess I was I was too ambitious last week, right? All right. So so this week we are going to go through of the freeness of salvation and of uh, of grace and regeneration. So any questions though on justification? Uh, very big point. Right, I hope you were part of that, that conversation last week. Uh, really important point in, uh, of justification. Really good word to learn, as well as all those other words that we talked about with justification, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life, grace alone, imputation, and uh, reconciliation. Uh, just a, a quick quiz. I told you all what was the most important word, I believe, in all of the Bible, and what is that word? Nobody remembers the most important word in all the Bible? I'm going back to Sundays. It's below. That's all it's I'm close. saying. It's close. <laughs> a little bit hard yeah. to pronounce. Propitiation. propitiation. Very good. Very good. That's right. And what does propitiation mean? Or what does it mean? You brought it up, Daniel. Benjamin. Okay. Uh, So propitiation, the complete satisfaction, satisfying God's wrath. That's right. That's right. That's right. Jesus, uh, the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross, it it satisfied the wrath of God toward those who are in Christ. Very good. Very good. Most important word, right? Uh, learn how to spell it too. It's really cool. It's in several places. It's there in Romans three, where we talked about justification. It's in First John four, as well as in I believe John chapter one. Bill, it's in John chapter one. No, not in, not in the Gospel of John. Uh, it's in a few other places. Uh, Hebrews. It's in Hebrews. Uh, there it is. Very good. Okay, so justification. Okay, so let's go to of the freeness of salvation. Kelly, would you read the whole point for us nice and loud and proud? We believe that the blessings of salvation are made free to all by the gospel. That is the immediate duty of all, that it is the immediate duty of all to accept them by a cordial, penitent, and obedient faith, and that nothing prevents the salvation of the greatest sinner on earth but his own inherent depravity and voluntary rejection of the gospel, which rejection involves him in an aggravated condemnation. Very good. All right, so here we see our very first line, right, we're going to talk about. We believe that the blessings of salvation are made free to all by the gospel. All right, so what does it mean, or what are, again, we've talked about this, what are the blessings of salvation? You can look back in your statement of faith and hopefully even answer that question. What are the blessings of salvation? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Very good. Grace. Adoption. Adoption. Peace. Peace. Reconciliation. 
Righteousness. Imputation. Very good. What else? Eternal life. Right? Eternal life. Very good. All right. So here are, right? So here's the blessings of salvation, right? Reconciliation with God, the propitiation of our sins, imputation, the righteousness of Christ. Uh, we have eternal life. We have forgiveness, salvation. Uh, we, have, we have all of these things right here in this idea of the blessings are salvation, and they're made free to all by the gospel, right? And so what, we, what do we mean by the gospel? What do we mean by the gospel? Gospel means good news. Means good news. What's the good news? Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. That's right. Anything else? Free gift of life. Say it again. Free gift of life. Okay, gift eternal life. What else? What's the gospel? What's the good news of the gospel? Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us. But why did Jesus die for us? That's right. We were completely enabled. Could not die for ourselves. Couldn't die for each other to satisfy the wrath of God or bring atonement or have that righteousness of Christ placed upon. There's nothing, nothing we, could, we could do. So the good news of the gospel is that God divinely intervened on our behalf by sending his son to die on the cross for us. The work that we could not do we could not pay ourselves he paid he paid that debt for us right the debt we couldn't pay he paid it and as james rightly brought up from sunday now we can be called beloved children the beloved children of god all right very good so here's there's the gospel right here's the gospel message so it's free to all by the gospel right so this made free the gospel is free to all you guys get that Right? So we're not having any problems here, right? Free to free to all. Absolutely. We believe that. All right, next point. Well, we can we can look it up if y'all want. Uh, look up some of these these verses. Um, uh, Abby, why don't you go to Isaiah 55? Uh, Kelly, would you look up Luke 14? Well, I'm just calling out verses. I'll just go to the next one. I'll, I'll just point some to y'all to do. James, would you look up Mark 1, 15? And Benjamin, would you look up Romans 1, 15 through 17? You see it there on the second point. Okay, so now we're two ahead. All right, so Isaiah 55, 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Very good. Sounds like a song, right? Sounds like a song. Come. That's right, absolutely. The, the, the come, come to the Lord. Come be a part. Come, come, come be with, with the Lord, right? And we believe that. That's why we, we offer the gospel message to all. We freely give it to all, right? All right, Luke 14. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. All right, very good. Now, context. This is the parable of the, the, the great banquet, right? The, the, uh, the ones where they, were, they, they offered it to everyone, right? They offered it, right? And of course, we know, hopefully you might know what happens at the end. We have time to read it. But, but here it is, right? Here's the offering. This is the gospel message, right? It is 
free to all to come. Everything is ready. Here is the good news of the gospel. Now, we've got that covered. Let's look at response. So the first one is uh, sufficiency. Right? You're, I know you want those one-word points. Sufficiency, our, our gospel is sufficiency. All right, the uh, second point, or second line, says that it is the immediate duty of all to accept, accept them by a cordial, penitent, and obedient faith. All right, so the immediate duty to, to accept, or what's some other words that we could use for accept, biblical words, Bible words? Yeah. Believe, very good, right? Receive by faith, right? To all, right? Immediate duty of all this to believe them or receive by faith with a cordial. What does cordial mean? Cordial. Cordial. Friendly. Okay, yeah, cordial, cordial relationship. Yeah. What else? Cordial? We don't use that word very often, do we? I think the, the value of the word is, is kind of in the, the opposite, that it means not begrudgingly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll, I put down sincere, sincerely, right? So, absolutely. So what's not cordial is, or is begrudgingly, right? So it's not something we are being forced to do. It's not something that, okay, I'll just do it. Um, it but it is something that we, we do with a... In, in a friendly manner toward, right? A sincere manner toward. Like, we, we mean it, we believe it, uh, it's, we're cordial toward it. Penitent. What does penitent mean? That one's hard. Penitent. <laughs> I think the closest word we would use for that would be repentant, right? A repentant heart. Um, and so that means, and, and you know, we're repentant and confessing, you know, confession and penitent would be, um, you know, there's a, there's a, a deep regret, right? Uh, a, a deep a shame or deep guilt, you know, that, that uh, you, you're now well, what are, you, what are you repentant of? What are you penitent of? Well, we're repentant of our sin, of who we are before a, a, a holy God. And then there's o- obedient faith. So let's look at Mark 1.15. This is, this is the, the gospel call, right? This is, I believe this is Jesus speaking, right? Am I, am I right, James? Okay, go ahead and read Rome, um, Mark 1.15. And saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. All right, there it is. Jesus' call. Repent and believe. Romans 1, 15 through 17. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteousness the righteous shall live by faith. <clears throat> Very good. So here is, in a sense, the those those first two lines, those first two points right here in 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 Romans one. Right, not ashamed of the gospel's power of God for salvation to to all who believe, and as far as the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith, 
It said, the righteous shall live by faith. All right, so here it is. Second, second point is we have the, the response, right? So the freeness of, of, of salvation is sufficient to save, but yet the gospel demands a response, right? Gospel, the gospel preached demands that there is a response, right? It's not something that we can be kind of indifferent to, but the gospel demands a, a response, and that response is we will we'll talk about it. In a, I think maybe in a couple, maybe in a couple days, maybe next week or so. The the the, uh, the repentance and faith, right? Those are the two the two the two areas of that of the gospel response, and we saw it right there in that that cordial, sincere, penitent, obedient faith. So the gospel always brings about. A response. All right, let's look at the third point. The third point, very important here. It says, and that nothing, nothing, nothing prevents the salvation of the greatest sinner on earth. We're going to stop there for a second before we get the but. What does he mean there? That's right. There's there's no extent to our sin that has not or cannot be forgiven in Christ. Does that make sense? All right. Very good. That nothing prevents salvation of the greatest sinner on earth, but but what? But what? Very good, Jinx. Both owe me a Coke. Is that game still legal? I don't think that's legal. Did you say legal? Yeah. Yeah, it might be culturally insensitive now, or hurt someone's feeling. Generational. You know. Okay. Um, yes, but his own inherent depravity. So here it is. The gospel is free to be received by all. But what is the hindrance to all? Your own nature. Your own inherent depravity, depravity, which is our nature. It's who we are. Right? So 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 the, the gospel absolutely is free. So so we can be accused sometimes. Well, if you believe in election, then you believe that that uh, that uh, you know you don't preach the gospel to all people, and and it doesn't. And John three sixteen really doesn't mean the world or or whatever that means. And we're like, no, absolutely not. The Bible says it right here. We preach the gospel to all because the gospel is free for all to to receive. The problem is is our inherent depraved nature, right? We we quickly go back to think that man somehow is kind of on this equal precipice with, with God, as if we're able to receive, and we, we need to turn back, right? If we confuse, let's go back to point three of the fallenness of man. We're, we're depraved, and our nature is as such, as depraved, that we cannot see the gospel on our own as something that we want to believe and accept outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't want to preach, but it's very important we get this. 
It's very important we get this because in, in, in our own inherent, in our own nature, it's what we're, we're born with. All those who are born in Adam die. If you're born in Christ, you're life. And, and this is what this means here. In our own inherent depravity. What does depravity mean? Y'all remember what that means? What does depravity mean? Lack of something. Okay, yeah. We'll dig to the root. We're, what are we lacking? Righteousness. There it is. Very good. That's right. And, and it's a righteousness that can what? That can only come from God. So it's a righteousness that can save us. That's right. Very good. Love it. I can applaud you all. Thank you. Praise the Lord. And so therefore, our own inherent depravity and our what? Our voluntary rejection of the gospel. So understand what we're saying here. That when we say voluntary rejection of the gospel, that every person who dies without knowing Christ, dies voluntarily rejecting the gospel. All are guilty. And they do so willingly. We are not forced into sin. We do so willingly. We are not innocent. We do so willingly as a voluntary rejecting of the gospel. This is our inability. That's the one word, Abby. Inability. So let's, let's look at some passages here. John chapter 5. Kenny, would you do John chapter 5, verse 40? Miss Susan, Matthew 23, 37. Savannah, Romans 9. And uh, Bill, would you read Acts 13? John chapter 5. It says, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Right. And so Jesus is talking to. Who's he talking to? They know? Jews. That's right. He's talking to the Jews. And we see him see here that he says, You refuse to come to me, right? They refuse. There's a voluntary rejection of the gospel. And in Christ, he is where he has life. In him is where we have we have life. Matthew twenty three. Yes, and there it is, right? Jesus talking to, talking about Jerusalem, the the city of God, right? The the place where where God chose to to dwell in His temple, to His chosen people, and even God's chosen people rejected the Son of God. They didn't even have the eyes to see 
There's an inability to be able to see the Son of God. And you see what Jesus says? He says, you killed the prophets and you stoned those who are sent to it. Okay, Romans 9. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if they were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. All right, speaking of of Jesus as this the stumbling stone. Make sure I'm reading the right one. Speaking of the stumbling stone of Jesus, they did not pursue it by faith, as we see, right? But the stumbling stone was Christ himself, because it was by faith that we receive him. And this was of Israel's unbelief. Let's look to the next one, Acts 13. Yes, sir. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for the Lord so has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, as many as were, and as many as were appointed to eternal life, believed. Very good. So Paul and Barnabas first speaking to, once again, the Jews, right? Speaking to the Jews there in the city, as they did all the time. They always went to the Jews first. They boldly spoke to them, and they said, We brought it to you, but since you turned aside, you, you thrust it aside and didn't believe it, right? And you judge yourselves, what is that, unworthy of eternal life, Right? Paul and Barnabas turn to the Gentiles, and we see the see what the response is there in in uh, uh, by God in a sense in, in uh, uh, verse 40, 48. So all of these verses, what we see in common is exactly what we're seeing in our point is man's voluntary rejection of the gospel, man's responsibility, right? Very good. So although we are although the gospel is made free. We are enslaved in our depravity, and yet we still voluntary in our sin are rejecting the gospel. We are responsible for that rejection. Questions up to this point? Okay, let's look to the next. Let's look to the next one. Line four. It says, "With rejection involves him." in an aggravated condemnation. What does he mean by this point? Voluntary rejection of the gospel, which rejection involves him in an aggravated condemnation. There it is. That's right. Right? Guilty. Rejection and judgment. And that the condemnation is just. Condemnation uh, is, is just. John uh, chapter 3, verse 19. I already turned to it, so I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. 
So judgment has come to the world because of the rejection of the light. Those in darkness loved darkness. They love darkness rather than the light. So the willful rejection of the gospel always deserves condemnation, always receives judgment. Anything else to this point? Or anything else to point six? We understand that. And you see why this is important? An important point in our... Yeah, I think one thing that you don't think that's as important as some of them, but you have sex of in the Baptist that do take that. I'm just saying you have... Uh, you have certain. What did you say? I didn't even hear you. I, I, I misunderstood what you said. I'm a S E C T S. He's been teaching fifth graders all day. Okay. <laughs> He's been with fifth graders all day. <laughs> anyway. Just ignore him. <laughs> what was I even saying? But if you do groups. have people, different groups that that don't believe that it is free. Yes. And they're more than you think. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. This is a really, really important point, right? It's a really, really important point. The, God, the, the, the freeness of the gospel is, is offered to all. But we understand as well that, that there's, an, there's an inability, right? There's an inability. That, that does, but that doesn't hinder us from still preaching the gospel. In fact, what it does, it, it, it should even motivate us more. And, and actually, I, we won't get to it tonight, but when we get to the... Um, the purposes of, of God's grace, uh, we'll see even there the, the motivates the motivation there that drives us into sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel to to all people and to all nations. Um, very good. Yes, ma'am. Rejection. Yeah, I'm not. All right. So number seven of grace in regeneration. Of grace and regeneration, I love that uh, of grace has just been a theme throughout our throughout our statement. Um, it's because it's so important. Of grace and regeneration, James, would you read that point seven for us, nice and loud? The whole shebang, yeah. just not the numbers. We believe that in order to be saved, sinners must be regenerated or born again. That regeneration <coughs> consists in giving a holy disposition to the mind that it is affected in a manner above our comprehension by the power of the Holy Spirit in connection with divine truth so as to secure our voluntary obedience to the gospel and that its proper evidence appears in the holy fruits of repentance and faith and newness of life. Right. So what we have learned in our last point shows us that we need a change. We need something and we've already identified that something is Christ, the Holy work of the Holy Spirit in us, to, to bring about a new work in us. And we call that that great change in us, we call that regeneration. Right? Regeneration, the making something new. Making something new to regenerate. Right? To take your dead phone, charge it up, and to regenerate it. 
We charge it, right? I'm not going to use that. That's not a great illustration, but I think it under, we understand that, right? So we I think it's more like it. it your, bat, your your phone doesn't have a battery. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Get a battery. There you go. A completely dead battery, and you just got to go to Verizon and get a new one. How about that? That's regeneration. Leave it alone. That's terrible. But that point one, we believe that in order to be saved, and what do we mean by saved? Regenerated. Very good. To be saved. To be to be saved from that inability, that that depravity, that inherent nature of depravity, we need to be saved. Sinners must be regenerated. And the, the, uh, the, the terminology as well that he says is that we must be or born again. Right? We'll use the language of Jesus. And, that, and that's where regeneration really comes from, right there. That John chapter 3 um, passage, that unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Must be you must be born again, made new, right? So not just the recycled version of the old self, or 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 just an adding to your old self and, and a little bit better morality. Nope, that's not regeneration. That's not that's not new birth. New birth and regeneration. We need in order for us to be saved. We need regeneration, and that regeneration must come from outside of ourselves. Right? Must come from outside of our, our ourselves. So the first one, Abby, would be born again. And let's look up John chapter 3. We've got a couple of them here, so if y'all all want to turn there, you can. John chapter 3. And let's look at verse 3. This is the, the conversation that Jesus has with, with Nicodemus, right? One of, the, one of the Pharisees came to him at night. Right? Because he loved the darkness. Came to it at night and asked, basically, who, who are you? And this is what he says in verse 3. Jesus answers. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Regeneration. Look at verse 6 and 7. He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh right now is he talking about flesh and bone what is he talking about the world okay the, the world your sinful, nature. your sinful nature that's right so when we talk about the flesh we're talking about the sinful nature that which is born of the sinful nature which is everyone right it's born of the sinful nature of the flesh is of the flesh and that which is born of the spirit is what Spirit, do not marvel that I say that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what is he telling us in verse 7? Why is he talking about the wind? How did Jesus go from talking about flesh and spirit to the wind? He's illustrating a point, right? What does that mean? What does, he, what does he mean by the wind here? And why does it mean for us in regeneration? 
that salvation is of the Lord, that we don't know where the wind comes from and we don't know where the salvation comes from unless he reveals it to you. That's right. So regeneration is a miracle of God's. It's not a work of the flesh. It's a work of the Spirit. And this work of the Spirit comes and goes as it pleases. As it pleases the Lord. And as he says here, as so it is with, every, with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Very good. What time is it? Oh, gosh. Let's look at point two. He says that regeneration consists in giving a holy disposition to the mind. So this is what regeneration does. right? It gives us a new life. It gives us a, a new life. Right? Who knows 2 Corinthians 5.17? Just by heart. Anybody know? That's right. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Right? The old is gone, the new has come. We are a new creation, right? We we may still look the same. We're not gonna we're not gonna be, you know, we're not gonna get like this whole new body as of yet, right? But 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 we're new. This is what regeneration does. Regeneration makes us new. And and how do we know that we've been made new? How do you know you've been made new? No expiration date? How do we know we've been made new? One thing, your desires are different. Okay. So we have, we have evidences of the fruit, right? Fruit, fruit evidences. I don't want to go there just yet, but that absolutely is correct. I want to go back to what we were talking about in justification. How do we know that we have been made new? Because of the righteousness of Christ. Because of His righteousness that has been imputed onto us. In fact, if you go later on in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21... It gives us that famous line. We sang it on Sunday. You guys remember what that says? Richard, you still there? Verse 21? Okay, that's okay. Um, he became sin who knew no sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. Right? Our sin was imputed upon him and his righteousness was imputed upon us. So first and foremost, right? How do you know that you're a new creation? It's because the righteousness of Christ has been imputed, imputed upon you. That's point number one, right? That's what, that's what you preach to yourselves, not me, it's Christ. And then those fruits, absolutely the fruits. Then we see the evidences of that, that righteousness. We see the fruits of, of, of that righteousness. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17, very, very important verse. Uh, Ezekiel 36, anybody already there? Y'all just look them up. Right? And so I don't want to just call you out and I can just ask who's there and then look them up. Ezekiel 36? Yes. Go ahead, Benjamin. All right, 36, uh, 26. Yep, 36, 26. And he will give you a, a new heart and a new spirit. I will, I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Amen. Ezekiel 36 and 37, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. I love those chapters. And look what he says. 
And he's given us a, a new heart. Removing the heart that once was stone and giving us a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh that can, that can now feel, that can now really breathe, that can live in the light. This new creation, right? This new, this new life. New life. He has given us new life. And in that new life, there is this, there is this new disposition, as he says, this, this new holy disposition to the mind, where, where now our, our mind has, has, is changing. We have, we have new desires. Our desires are, are, are being replaced. No longer desires to live for the flesh or for our own self-righteousness, no matter whatever it was. But now righteousness that, that, that gives glory to Christ. The, the things that, that, that Jesus uh, desires. Um, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And the reason why he gives us our, those desires is because our hearts have been changed. Because we're delighting in him. Our desires change. Right now, I'm not saying that doesn't that doesn't mean you're still not sinning. Like, I'm, please understand, I'm not saying you're sinless, but your desires change. Your desires change, and so we need to go after the the, the right desires. Right, as we talked about in Ephesians four, uh, verse twenty-two. Right, our, our desires that were once corrupted, that were deceived, and they were deceiving us into thinking that. Those desires we had were, were, were what's supposed to be desirable, but now in Christ, he's showing us now what is desirable. And that's the whole list of what we've been going through in Ephesians chapter 4. And so we have this, this new mind. It's a mind toward, he gives a clue here in this verse or this, this line, a mind toward holiness. A mind toward holiness. We are pursuing holiness. A holiness that looks like Christ, a Christ-likeness, and maturity, and building one another up. I mean, all those things is, is to pursue uh, um, holiness. So there's line, line two, line three, that it, is a, that it is affected in a manner above our comprehension by the power of the Holy Spirit in connection with divine truth. So what are, the, what are the two areas, the two things that are working now in the one who's regenerated? What's the two things that he names here? Is the, two, the, two, the two things that are right, interacting, the ones that's, that's bringing about sanctification and regeneration in our lives. What is it? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's number one. What's number two? Divine truth. Divine truth. What's the divine truth? The word. So close. The what? The word, the word of God. All right, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God working in our life, working in the new creation. Also, another evidence by which we are living in the righteousness of Christ is the mark of the, of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. The movement of the Holy Spirit in our life, the leading of our, the Holy Spirit in our life is, is a, not all, is a mark of regeneration and, and uh, a mark of growing us in, into holiness. The Holy Spirit and... Uh, of uh, and the the word of God, uh, which which once again we you don't have to turn back, but remember John chapter three verse eight. Uh, remember talking about the Spirit, right? The Spirit moving, right? Can't don't know the, to the Lord. It's the Spirit that that brings about that 
uh, um, that work. John, uh, John chapter 1, verse 13, that man is not uh, uh, born again by, their, by, by flesh and blood, but by the will of God. But by the, but by the, the, by the will of God. And, and in connection with the, the, the scripture is, is working uh, in us. Any, any, any um, questions on those points? Apologize if I'm just zooming here. Holy Spirit. The fourth one. So as to secure our voluntary obedience to the gospel. Right? Once our voluntary obedience was toward what? Last point was toward what? Was to sin. And now... The Holy Spirit and the Word of God is conforming us to a voluntary obedience toward the G word with an O and then an S and a P and an E and an L. Gospel. Gospel. <laughs> That's right, right? It says voluntary, o- voluntary obedience toward the gospel. So here it is, right? Listen to this. Our, our cordial obedience to the gospel our cordial obedience to the gospel our voluntary obedience to the gospel because we have been given new new life new desires a new new righteousness new new purpose to be holy to be holy to secure our voluntary obedience toward toward the gospel all my verses are on the other side. I call that sanctification. It's the, the verse. Um, anybody looking up 1 Peter 1? Okay. You got it? Read it for us, Ben. Right. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a, sincere brotherly, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Um, for all flesh is like grass, and its and all its glory like a flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. All right, very good. This is the work of regeneration. Look what it's doing. It's purifying us. It's, it's producing sincere brotherly love. Sincere. Right? Cordial. <laughs> brotherly love. love. Love and affection. Desire and affection to, to, to be with one another and to love one another earnestly with a, with a pure heart because we have been born again. I mean, I'm just reading the text here. Really? I mean, since we've been born again, not of a perishable seed... Right? It's not something that, that's going to die, but of something that is imperishable. And that imperishable seed is what? The living, abiding word of God. Y'all, y'all see that? Y'all, can you see the word of God working in your lives? You see, I mean, even our study tonight, can you see the word of God working in your life? It's not something that's perishable, but it's something that's imperishable. Because remember, as what it says, it quotes, quotes quoting some uh, Old Testament, that the flesh is like grass. 
It's fading. The, the flower of the grass, it's withering. It falls. But the word of God remains forever. The work of the, of the Holy Spirit and the work of the word of God in your life is imperishable. It's forever. It remains forever. And as he says, and this is the word of good news that was preached to you. That's good news. You, you see the regeneration that's being worked out in, in all of us is, is producing the, a, a unity and a love in this body? That's what it's doing. Can you see it? Can you see the evidences of that grace? Can you see the, the fruits off that tree? The good fruit off that tree? Not the dying tree, but the good tree? Is it, is it happening in your life? Is there sanctification in your life where, where that good fruit is good for all to see? And that last point, last point, it says, and that is proper evidence. Right? So regeneration has evidence. I mean, we've been talking about this. Proper evidence appears in the holy fruits of repentance faith, and newness of life. So, regeneration, regeneration has evidence. There's evidence of regeneration. Just as there is evidence that you are a college student, there's evidence that you were a teacher, there's evidence you work at a plant, there's evidence that you waitress and are a mom, Evidence that you got bit by a dog um, <laughs> last semester. Uh, there's evidence. There's, there's evidences in your life to prove certain things about you. And there's evidences in a Christian's life, one who is in Christ, that they are regenerate. I like that word, regenerate. Not degenerate. We shouldn't use that one. But regenerate's good. That, that, that they're regenerate, that they're, that they're made new. If, brothers and sisters, if there's no objective evidence in someone's life, and even besides them saying that they're a Christian or they walked forward or were baptized at one point in their life, if there's no objective evidence of regeneration, then, then there's not regeneration. Well, <laughs> there it is. Okay, then you're good. Right? And, and the objective evidence of regeneration is what? Glad I asked, because we're going to look at the verses. Romans 8, verse 9. Anybody there? First time? Yes. I am, you are on it. All right. <clears throat> Romans, right? Yep. Okay. You, however, are not in, in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact... The Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Boom. Okay, so here's our first mark. And what is it? I've already said this, but what is that first mark? What does it say? Romans 8 9. What did he say? The Spirit of God dwells in them. The Spirit of God dwells in them. The Spirit of God dwells in them. All right? Let's go to the next one Galatians 5. Anybody there? All right. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For 
These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Amen. So the fruit, the, the, the fruits are the mark or the evidence of regeneration. The fruits of the Spirit, as we would generally call it, right, here in Galatians chapter 5. They're exhibiting love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. It's fruits of the Spirit. Evidences of regeneration. As well as, you know, as well as we see the evidences of, in the flesh. So, um, generally, what we hear when this is, um, uh, when 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 we hear messages on Galatians chapter five, this it's usually preached in such a way or taught in such a way that the fruits of the spirit are something that you should just be doing. Like you should be being like you need to be loving or you need to be more kind or you need to be good or you need to be faithful and gentle and self controlled and and we come up lists of what all that means and how you can be more patient and 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 how to apply that and all those things. But the the problem is. The, the problem is, is, is that's you trying to produce fruit off of fruit. This is something that is already what has taken place is regeneration, right? Fruit, this is, this is the, the effects of regeneration, right? It's the, the fruit of regeneration. It's what is being produced in us by the works of the Spirit and by the works of the Word of God, right? And our, and our, our obedience, our cordial, voluntary obedience right so so to, to look at this list and say oh i just need to be i need to be more patient i need to be more kind and certainly there's some areas and we can work on that but understand the context the context this is the fruit right this is this is what after cultivation after growth and 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 grace and spirit and the and the uh, uh and the word of god doing the work in a person produces this this fruit. These are the fruits of regeneration. These are the marks of regeneration. Does that make sense? Or am I confusing? Okay. Anybody else look up any of those other texts there? How about first John? Anybody got that one? First John five? read it it's the prayer right one of the prayer Paul had for the church it, it happens to be one of my favorite texts oh excellent for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, 
may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Any questions on that last one, regeneration? Of the grace of regeneration. And what a grace it is. What a, what a grace it is.